Running with Jake, the podcast. On this episode, it is a skill to mentally rehearse things, and when it comes to those tough times on race day, the body's been there before because you've rehearsed it during those long runs, and it just becomes a little bit easier because your body recognizes that you can negotiate this hurdle because you've done it in the past, and it gives you belief because belief is really key when it comes to race day mindset. Running with Jake, the podcast, because every runner needs the occasional plot, and here's your host, Jake Lowe. Welcome to the show. This is episode 90 of Running With Jake, the podcast. Yes, that's right. We've been going for 90 solid episodes now. I don't know where time has gone. Absolutely bonkers. This is your weekly dose of running motivation. Our mission is to fire you up, get you feeling better about running. We want to educate you. We want to inspire you. We want to basically just get you feeling better. And that is what it's all about, helping you to create a healthy relationship with your running. Pete, we're back. We're here. I'm super fired up. I feel, oh man, I feel so chilled. Why? You know, why? What's going, what's you know, going on why, in your life? Why? Tell why? me why? Why? Because it's official. I, along with many other people have entered the tapering phase. This is now the tapering period for the Manchester Marathon. Fast approaching in October, three weeks out, just under now. Uh, we've got, what, two weeks and six days until we're going to be lining up on that starting line. Many people, of course, have started their taper for some big races like the London Marathon and various other races around the globe. So it's a really it's a really key time to train but it's also a very nice time in many respects because you just get to back off a little bit and chill out and oh just you know less pressure less pressure man do you know me as a non-running guy i i um i've heard of the the term taper and i guess that's like where you just chill out a little bit is it i never really fully chill out i mean you've known me a long time i mean chill define chill (laughs) but Sure. Yes, I am slightly more calm about the whole running thing. And, and ultimately, what you're looking at doing is just, is just reducing the volume a little bit of your training. But tapering is a key part of training. And in fact, there will be a quick hit, which will be released very, very soon, which is like a shorter version of the, the full-length podcast. It's a short version. And that is all about tapering for races. So make sure you go and check that out. That's with my good friend and fellow running coach, Joe Wilkinson. And we're live every Friday at 12.30 on Instagram. But tapering is so important to reduce the training get yourself feeling fresh and sprightly you want to feel like tigger on that starting line man you don't want to be fatigued and exhausted because then too many runners can overtrain, push it too much sure. in these final stages but you mentioned there the non-running guy it's getting boring pete peter 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 i'm very much a non-running oh. guy who does occasionally run but the other thing the other term i remember taper because that sounds all right because that's like the chill out period if you will um and the other thing is carb loading when are you all right to eat loads of bread i mean when does that come into force oh, i thought you'd like that bit basically you, you you're like a, you are like a proper runner pete because especially new marathon runners and i was one i was one back in the day uh, there's two things that really pique their interest, that float their boat, that they're intrigued about. They're curious about, number one, the taper. When can I just back off from all this long running? And the second <laughs> thing is, does it mean I can eat more? What's the carb loading about? Bring on the pasta. When does it start? I'm hungry, man. I'm hungry. So sure, you, you are sure. a proper well, when does it? When does it start? <laughs> when does that happen? Well, I'm not because I'm just carb loading without actually having an event or anything to do. Oh, man. I mean, episode 90. Episode 90. And you are still classing yourself as a non-running guy honestly it's insane look i tell you what if you were let's just assume let's just assume for a moment that you are officially a non-running guy which you're not but let's assume that you are a non-running guy okay if you were i'm convinced that i would be able to turn you to the dark side of running if i were to share the session with you that i did yesterday that session would inspire you it'd motivate your pants off you'd be like oh man i need a piece of this running action i just i gotta get involved man i'll be willing to um i'll be willing to listen to that um i did a session myself yesterday as well which i'd be happy to share with you um you can try and convert me with the session you did and then i'll try and convert you uh, to what i do uh, with the session I did. So you go first, and I'll listen. I'm quite I'm <laughs> open-minded. I'm quite happy to take part and listen to this, of course. I don't know what's happening and who wins what, but we'll have a go, right? So yesterday, uh, last long run, the final big, big, big run before Manchester Marathon, as I mentioned, the taper period starts. We intended on doing it, man, big-ass run, like 22 miles. This is, like, serious stuff now. You know, you're four miles away from 
that golden marathon distance. So 22 miles. Now, we wanted to put a little bit of juicy stuff into the session, Pete. We wanted to do what we refer to as a little bit of, of quality running, so some threshold effort in the, that long run. So we thought, well, you know what? If we pop down to the local running track, which is great, we can start the run there, and then we can use the track, because you can just run around and switch off, use the track to do the quality bits of running, and then when we need to just do like the easy miles, we can disappear off and run around Winchester, then come back, hit the track, just to add some variety, you know. So that was the idea. Anyway, we got to the track, we had all our energy gels, our hydration were all sorted, and there was a junior athletics meeting on. Hurdles, I think it was. There was people swarming everywhere. Kids flying over these hurdles. We were like, oh my God, what do we do now? This is a nightmare. It's really thrown us. We've got this big session. Like, ah. Oh. Well, fortunately, I had a bright idea. There's a swanky new gym right on the edge of the athletics track that we uh, we have recently joined. In fact, our membership officially starts today. So I said to Martina, my girlfriend, look, why don't we pop to the to the gym? We've got to pick up our membership cards anyway. Um, and just say, look, is it all right if we start our membership a day early and then we can jump on the treadmill? She's like, we're doing 22 miles. You want to jump on the treadmill? Wow. The dreadmill. Are you mad? I said, well, look, it's a really controlled environment. That's why we've come down to the track. Should we just give it a go and see what happens? Man, it was the world's most insane gym induction. I mean, basically, this, this guy showed us around the gym. He was like, oh, oh so you're runners. Yeah, there's the treadmill. I was like, brilliant, that's great, mate. Right, we're off. And then two hours, 45 minutes later, still on the treadmill, 22 miles. I mean, we, we proper tested that kit out. I'm telling you, we proper smashed that kit out. We, it's a great gym. We got the session done. Beautiful, man. And, and you know, it's, it's not... <laughs> It's not easy running marathons and big distances anyway, anyway, because obviously you do need a bit of mental strength there. At some point, your body's going to be telling you or your mind's going to be telling you to slow down. This is insane. So to put yourself in an uncomfortable environment is actually quite, is actually quite helpful. So mm. yeah, treadmill. Does that not inspire you? I mean, do you not just want to go and run two hours 45 on a treadmill, Pete? Mate, the thought Come of... On. I thought you were trying to... I genuinely thought you were trying to inspire me when you started. But then when you started... When you mentioned the, the treadmill, I thought, you're just having a laugh. I remember... You know what happened to me a few years ago on the treadmill, back in the day when I actually thought I might become uh, fit in my in my life. I fell over, didn't I? I got a blooming... Uh, what's it? That little scar on my chin. That's why I'm bearded most of the time, because of that. That was created by the treadmill. Because of course, I, I can still see it. Yeah, I can still exactly. see that little, that. that little thing, that little issue there, that was a tre- became a big blister, and I had to tell the story. Yeah, I fell over on the treadmill, fell over. I'm not seriously right. Right, okay. So you've not converted me with that. <laughs> My session yesterday was carried out not at a gym but at a pub. I had, if you will, two pints of Shipyard. It's a four and a half percent IPA. It's brewed with American hops. Um, I think it was it was served at about five degrees, which is quite cold for an ale, but it's something that I'd certainly drink cold because it's just fresh, citrusy, hoppy, uh, and just very refreshing, two of those, followed by um, two pints of Quintessential, which is brewed by the Derby Brewing Company. They're a local place here in Derby. Um, it's a 5%. It's a multi-crisp golden ale, very nice, served again at 4.5 to 5 degrees. Then I was feeling very happy after those four pints of gorgeous ale. I followed it up with a double balvenie um which is a, an 18 year old scotch whiskey um it's really nice it's been um aged in old um sherry kegs so you've got all the flavor you've got you've got fl- flavors come through like nutmeg you've got um dried fruit in there a little bit of vanilla all coming through and just uh, just as it just as it matures on your palate and the aftertaste is beautiful i tell you what mate after a session like that you don't want to brush your teeth because it's because <laughs> it's got a lovely, long-lasting aftertaste. Beautiful. So that was my afternoon. To be honest, you have inspired me. You've mm. inspired me to make a suggestion. I think, my friend, I think you can combine these two sessions and you should sign up for the Marathon de Medoc. The Marathon de Medoc right. is a fantastic event around every year. It's in fancy dress. The organisers set the theme... It's through vineyards in France and en route, you eat cheese and drink wine. That sounds all right, that does. Well, that's a warm welcome to the show today. I think now we should do our best to bring back some credibility. Today's guest is Brody Sharp. He is a font of knowledge, super motivating. And today's subject of choice is race day mindset. You do not want to miss this. 
for the show notes and video content, go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. Running with Jake, the podcast. So today's guest is Brody Sharp. Not only is he a top guy and an awesome physiotherapist, but he's passionate about educating runners as well as just treating them. Brody, it's great to chat to you on the show, my friend. How are you doing? Thanks for having me back on. I'm doing well. Now listen, before we talk all things running, I know you've got a new ebook out, volume two. Really excited to chat to you about this. You've recently moved house too, right? I have indeed. Moved probably five days ago now. You look a lot more organised than me. Looking at you on the video screen, you've got <laughs> artwork behind you, whereas I'm wrapped in a duvet to help the acoustics <laughs> of the podcast. What is going on? Listen, I know you guys over there in Australia have IKEA. If you need any spare caster wheels, honestly, mate, I've got them coming out of my ears. <laughs> So if you're short of anything when you're there building your flat pack furniture, just, just drop me a message, Brody, and I'll hook you up. I very much appreciate it. Thank you. Not a problem, man. Not a problem. Not a problem. So how's life treating you over there? You obviously moved house. Are you back in the thick of it, the host of the Run Smarter podcast series? What's going on? Yeah, so I had the um, I was fortunate enough to schedule enough episodes for when it came to the move because I do publish two episodes a week. So it can be quite a handful sometimes, but managed to schedule enough out that I could move house like uninterrupted and didn't need to worry too much about publishing episodes but yeah things are going well the the new house is actually part of it is going to be converted into a physio clinic so downstairs is going to be a physio clinic so I'm going to finally start seeing people in person as like it's turning into the run smarter physiotherapy clinic and currently the last couple of years I've just been doing 100% online physio and now I'll still be doing the online format but start seeing people in person as well. I mean this is so important isn't it? It's not something we've actually mentioned for a little while now when we go through a phase where we're talking about it a lot with our guests about just missing that contact with people. I mean we've obviously spoken outside the show Brody, and we've recently moved to Winchester myself and my girlfriend and just you know once we are set up and I've built everything that Ikea have to offer uh, once Martina... uh, allows me back out again it's like i'm on detention it's like i'm grounded i've just got to stay in until i've built everything once i have built everything i am allowed out there i can start to make connections connections again because it's so important i mean the online stuff's brilliant we're chatting now on video but you just want that human contact i bet you're itching to get back to kind of you know real life clinics and real life patients i do like being an online physio but you like you say you just miss something you just miss that person-to-person contact um and yeah it's it's one of those elements that I knew I'd miss when I turned into an online physio, but uh, I'm really excited to get back into it. You recently uh, released your second ebook. Tell me about that. That's that's all about. I mean, when you were thinking of, ti- of a title that runners would really resonate with, I mean, you couldn't have picked a better title, could you? Striving for an injury-free PB. Tell me a bit about that. Speaking of, I guess volume one to start with. So, my whole run smarter content like the run smarter podcast is all around trying to help runners educate them as best I can so they can make smart decisions so they can reduce their risk of injury increase their running performance and so that's where volume one of the ebook came about it was how to reduce your risk of injuries there were these universal principles to overcome injury and that laid the foundation for the first 10 episodes of the run smarter podcast every chapter of that book I actually chat about in the first 10 episodes of the podcast but then 100 episodes came by and I thought okay runners have really two desires one they want to reduce their risk of injury as much as they can and the second one is they want to increase their running performance well most of us anyway and so thought I would design volume two which is about increasing running performance and trying to do so safely because we still need to train smart we still need to make all the smart decisions in order to reduce our risk of injury while we're striving for an injury-free personal best and so the volume two of the ebook again covers 10 chapters i like to follow that kind of format for some reason every 10 chapters has a particular topic on how to increase your running performance safely and uses the available evidence um and yeah so that that's how it came about and it follows on really nicely from volume one it follows like this parable of who i call injury prone pete and he has this um this kind of journey around learning lessons and how to like he makes all the mistakes but learns from them and then strives to not only reduce his risk of injury or overcome injury but in volume two 
have a marathon PB, which he strives for, and I won't give the ending away, but that's that's the premise of the story. I thought it was actually based on Pete, the producer here, this injury-prone Pete, up until the point where you said he makes mistakes and then learns from them. I mean, Pete's basically got it 50% right at the moment. Yeah. You're kind of halfway there, mate. You're halfway there. Yeah, I'll be honest. I, I was prone to all injuries in the world ever, and I'm not talking running injuries because as a non-running guy, I don't get running injuries. But, you know, just any kind of injury, up until about a couple of years ago, and since then, mate bulletproof honestly nothing wrong perfect <laughs> you should you should write an ebook pete that's what I'll, you should I'll write, do I'll, I'll write an ebook <laughs> you can be next week's guest yeah. but for now we're chatting with brody listen i want to get into uh, all your knowledge brody but i think it's probably quite important just to put it out there you know when you mention performance and oh, so which i think is absolutely bang on you know i've always said this runners want to stay injury free and increase the performance in the main and you say well you know some of us anyway most most kind of runners and i think it's really interesting because how do we define performance and i often say this to people for people that are first setting out and let's say they're on their couch to 5k journey well they may be thinking well i'm not a performance runner i'm not interested in performance well what is performance because actually if you're looking at achieving running five kilometers forget the time you want to run five kilometers and where you stand currently you can't run five kilometers what do you need to be able to do that you need an increase in performance right so performance is important to you in some way shape or form so i think it probably links a little bit to the mental side of training and whether we categorise ourselves as runners or proper runners or not proper runners, you know. And I think it's important to realise what it takes to achieve certain goals. Talking of goals, we want to dive into race day mindset. Now, your ebook's fantastic, Brody. I think so many key chapters in there for people to go and digest. And one of them is obviously race day mindset. And I thought, well, this is great, you know, really getting into this. But I think it's important just to recap on goals and I know that's something you're really passionate about and obviously as we get closer to race day we've set our goals that that goal or goals might be a distant memory now from when we first started the journey but I think it's important to just revisit them and potentially refine them based on how training's gone and where the individual is in that present moment. What's your feelings on that, kind of revisiting goals prior to race day? First of all, it's important that we lay down goals to start with because a lot of people say, oh, let me finish a marathon. And I guess for most people's first marathon, all they want to do is finish it no matter what time, which is a goal in itself. But it's also important that before your whole journey starts, yeah, before your actual training starts, you actually lay down or write down goals. And you're obviously a big proponent on this one as well. You've chatted on my podcast about goal setting. And I remember when you were chatting, you highlighted the importance of writing down goals and making sure that it's it's a, it's a way, it's a process to keep it in the forefront of people's mind. But then you should be revisiting the goals. No, like, yes, on race day, but also throughout the process as well, just to see if you're on track, just to see how things are going. And you can have these outcome goals, which are achieve a marathon in a certain time or under a certain time. But you can also have these process goals along the way to make sure that you are on track and make sure that things are quite sensible. And it helps lay out timeframes as well. It makes that it avoids like these peaks in training or trying to train for a marathon too quickly, make sure that everything's quite realistic on paper rather than just heat of the moment today I'm going to try and run as far as I can and see how I go and so it's definitely important that we first of all lay down the goals second of all revisit the goals uh, first like throughout the process but then obviously on race day as well because it's, it's not just physically how training's going is it it's also what do you want and I know you you know a strong believer in that your why why are you running what do you want to achieve from this goal why is it you want to run a marathon or you want to run whatever distance it is in whatever time or you want to raise as much x amount of money for a charity and you're doing that to you know running a half marathon connected to that what are the what are the fundamental reasons behind that on a, on a really kind of deep level almost subconscious level in some respects you know what's your drive or what's your motivation but i think it's important to revisit goals as well because things change don't they like Goals that were perhaps really important to you when you first started the journey, maybe in the case of you and I, Brady, we've moved house, maybe there's some other things going on, maybe that goal is not quite as important as it first was. Conversely, maybe it's more important. Maybe actually when you started out the journey, you had a goal. As training, tick, you ticked off the days, the sessions, the weeks, the months, all of a sudden you think, I'm, I'm actually fitter and stronger than I thought I was going to be. This is, this is, training's going better than I planned. 
actually that's given me more confidence. It's five mil people more. Maybe I need to refine that goal and make it slightly more challenging. So it pushes me a little bit. So I do think it's important, like you say, picking up, picking up on the goal throughout training, keep your eye on it, and definitely as you lead towards race day. I think that's really key. You mentioned process goals to um, there, and I love that. That made me smile because I'm I'm a big believer in process goals myself. Just explain exactly what those what process goals are for people that perhaps don't know. It depends on your your overall goal, but let's just say for an example, if your uh, your outcome goal is a marathon under four hours, something like that. Your process goals might be achieving like a distance, maybe getting to your first 10Ks or maybe getting to your first half marathon might be a, a way to bridge the gap to your outcome goals, but also might be something fun in between that helps create variety as well. It might be something about a, you know, trying to get your fastest one mile or fastest 1K or something like that so that you're developing into a, a more well-rounded runner that's helping the outcome goal, but it's just keeping you a bit more attached in the short term. And so you, your motivation levels stay quite high. There's higher variety, I guess you could say, because if you just say marathon, it's six months away, I have to train for it. You can get quite detached. It's almost too far away and like the excitement starts to generate, you know, a couple of months out, but you probably need these motivation, uh, these current goals in the in throughout the journey in order to stay motivated keep it fun keep it exciting and it just helps the overall motivation levels to be higher as well and in my opinion and probably yours as well if you have those process goals throughout it it's probably more likely that you're going to achieve that outcome goal in the future anyway because you are keeping engaged and your your training is um you know you're still staying you're adhering to that training a little bit more and there's less like less likely for those to be the the pitfalls or like the lack of motivation or those troughs in energy levels and those sort of things. It's stepping stones, isn't it? As you, as you, as you touch on there, Brody, like you're more likely to achieve your, your main outcome goal, which is, you know, use the example there of a sub four hour marathon. If you're setting logical process goals on route that are all leading towards that big goal, they're almost like lily pad. You jump from one to the next. You're not just trying to get to the big giant lily pad at the, you know, the other end of the pond. You've got those little stepping stones. And I think that's really, really important. It's good for, you know, as you say, motivation levels as well, because training's hard, isn't it, man? I mean, I think when you, you're really pushing and you, you're focused on performance, as you mentioned earlier, and, you, you know, if, if, especially if you've got a real, you know, kind of a gigantic goal, if you really set yourself for a big challenge and you know that everything matters, it's all got to come together on the day, training's going to be pretty tough going, you've got to stay in that, in that, healthy, that healthy headspace. And we know that it doesn't end once training is over and this is one of the reasons we wanted to have a chat with you Brody about race day mindset a lot of people coming up to their main events now myself included three weeks well under three weeks now two and a half weeks to the Manchester Marathon you know crunch time things are getting a bit real tell me a little bit about sort of race day mindset and I guess a good place to start is how important the right mindset is come race day I think you can just look at past examples or past runners who haven't gone into a race mentally fit or in the right frame of mind and seeing how they perform because we know especially when it comes well I suppose any distance but we all know if you've run a marathon before how grueling it can get at times and how you really need need to dig deep mentally and pass some of these really mentally like these mental hurdles that can really like put you at a stop like a lot of people talk about hitting the wall a lot of people talk about like it just getting tough as soon as it gets tough their performance drops because they're probably not mentally set up as well as physically if your training preparation isn't quite up to scratch like it was meant to but you can really have a great day if you set yourself up physically but you really need to work out the importance of setting yourself up mentally because we know through research we know tons of um we, we can delve deep into the running psyche and know that like when things get tough, it's the ones who do really well. They know how to kind of negotiate those tough moments, those tough times and remembering your why or even just like digging deep and recognizing a why. People might just think, oh, it's just to get fit and, you know, prove to myself what I'm capable of. Like that can be <clears throat> a real superficial kind of why. But if you dig really deep and try and uncover something that, triggers a bit more motivation or a bit more intrinsic um, drive, then 
that's what you need to kind of refer back to when you're dur- during the, this race, because if your why doesn't spark enough passion, you can halfway through that race when it gets really mentally tough. If you remember your why, it's kind of just to increase your level of fitness. That's not really going to create that trigger. That's not going to create that drive. And so if your why isn't really, um, if it's not, if you're not digging deep enough and discovering your why and writing it down, then you, it's not going to have that same effect. So we can talk about strategies throughout this episode. We can talk about how to kind of increase that mental drive or that race day mindset, but it's just so key. We all know that you hit a point in your race when it no longer is just these physical parameters that is limiting your performance or limiting your pace per kilometer or per mile. It's It could be such a psychological game that people can play and they can have real huge outcomes like surprise themselves sometimes if they're if they're really switched on mentally and i think it's very individual isn't it brody it's very personal what works for one the methods and techniques i see this as a coach i see this with myself as a runner over the years with the races that i've been involved in some that have gone to plan some that have not gone to plan and the kind of headspace i was in at the time and not just on the day but throughout the course of that race because especially the longer the race, because if you think about it, the longer you are out there performing, the more emotions you're going to go through, the longer you're in this race headspace, for want of a better phrase. Potentially the more ups and downs, the peaks and troughs, the emotional highs and lows, you know, the doubts, the fears, the excitement when you get to the crowd and the adrenaline and you look at your watch and you all of a sudden you're running much quicker than perhaps you want to be doing or, or should be doing. So I think it is very individual to think about what tools do I have in my mental toolbox, if you like. You know, what am I going to tap into? What have I got available? What are my resources when the going gets tough? Because like you said, it is going to get tough because you want to push yourself. You know, your ebook is about striving for an injury-free PB. Well, if you're striving, that tells me you're pushing. And if it's a personal best, it's the fastest you've ever ran. You're going to hit those dark moments. Are there any kind of key, I suppose, tools, Brody, that you advise people that you're in contact with? I mean, obviously we say it's individual and depending on, on the person and the mindset and whatnot, personality, but any, anything that you think is really important, you know, some people talk about mantras, for example. I mean, I guess race day mindset starts in the moment you wake up. Preparing for this interview, talk about race day mindset, I wrote down a couple of things. One being as a tool, like, or, or as a strategy, you could say, like the why is going to be in there. It's always going to be in there for a lot of people. I've talked about that before. Actually, when it comes to, because I'm kind of visualizing marathon day, a runner's at the start line. What have they done prior to this race day in order to feel mentally prepared? And I think it's worth mentioning to start with, physically their training should <clears throat> hopefully physically their training's in check in order for them to be mentally calm as well. So there's a lot of anxiety that can be on race day, particularly if it's a new race or you're not familiar with the course, but sometimes you can have a lot of mental clarity if everything's gone well physically in training. Like if you have the right preparations, if you have, if you've ran for the last couple of months and haven't been injured, you haven't been hindered or interrupted your training by injury because everything's gone quite well and you've trained smarter, you've trained to the T and everything's worked out well for you. If that's gone well physically with your training preparations, then on race day, you can kind of switch your mentality to be like all the hard work is done, all the the months of training, everything went according to plan. Now let's just see how things go because all the hard work has been done. Maybe I have a good day, maybe I don't have a good day, but just kind of framing your your attitude that way can help actually help you mentally because you're a bit more you've got a little bit more clarity what happens happens this we know there's some things that we can't control say like the weather um and let's just give it our best shot so sometimes when it comes to tools the the physical training side of things should be implemented there but there's also what we call cognitive load when it comes to race day and we're talking about like mindset and making sure you're mentally switched on and everything's like really going well there can be times you can outthink yourself or like overanalyze a lot of things and that can start having 
a huge build-up and accumulation of what we call this cognitive load. And what you want to do as a runner in order to stay in control of your emotions or make sure that you're, yeah, well in control, we want to make sure that you're not overanalyzing things. You have a plan beforehand and you just get into a zone. You just don't overthink things and you just follow that strategy. This is why like a, a, a pacer can be really key for some runners instead of like constantly looking at your watch, seeing if your uh, pace is up, checking your splits, making sure you're on the right track, make sure you're at the point you're meant to be at the halfway point or the, the quarterway point and just constantly thinking, thinking, thinking. If you just have a pace and say, I'm just going to follow this guy, going to follow behind him or her and just see how things go, see how I'm feeling, that reduces a lot of that cognitive load. And it's that cognitive load down to the, the final stretch of the race, which can tip things one way or the other. You can feel like mentally fresh and in control of your emotions, in control of what happens next. Or you could just be really flustered, really like just thinking about too many things at once and that can actually throw your game off as well. So when we talk about tools, I reckon just appreciating the concept of cognitive load could be really key. Wow, CL. I'm just going to call that CL, cognitive load. I absolutely love that, Brody. And I'm, I'm nodding as you're talking because I could just relate so much to that. And I'm sure everybody listening to this podcast right now can relate in different ways, not just running. The first thing I thought about, Brody, was spoken about moving house. Just having to sort out the doctors, a new dentist, new running routes. Where am I going? What am I doing? Where do I keep my shoes now? What am I buying from Ikea to build next? It's all stress, potentially. It's all cognitive load or a cognitive load. It adds to that. And it's, thinking is just tiring, man. It burns so much energy. And I think you reach a point where we've all said this, I'm done. I'm just, oh, I'm so tired. Well, you're not physically tired, are you? You're mentally tired? Because that's a thing. I mean, that's a real thing. And on the day of your race, you've, something you've trained for for weeks, months, maybe even longer in, in the likes of, for example, some of my runners that have had their races through COVID, you know, deferred to the following year, the following year. It's like they feel like they've been training forever, some of them. Do you really want to exhaust yourself on the day of your race when you are looking to extract maximum performance? No, you don't. And I think yeah. being aware, as you say, Brody, that cognitive load, it's quieting, quietening the voice. Do you find that easy to do yourself? Not just running-wise, Brody, but you know that kind of, that, that, that load on the mind, that just, oh, I just need some quiet space. Can you find that space easily? I can find it easily, but I've trained myself for it because I am very much a go-getter, very like fast moving, quick thinking, always constantly moving from one thing to another. Like my mind races and in the past I've had quite a lot of trouble sleeping because my mind just quickly goes off and I need to make sure routine wise now that as soon as it gets to a certain period of time of the day, switch everything off, make sure I'm unwinding. And that has really helped my sleep because otherwise if I've checked emails or if I've um, yeah just started seeing clients really late in the night, I'm just, mine's just going. But I agree, like physically we know what mechanical load has on the body. If you go for a run, if you do a gym workout, you exert amount of energy, a certain load gets applied to the body. But mental stress, mental strain, mental load is sometimes the body doesn't know the difference. And we know the brain uses a lot of glycogen, so it's its main fuel source. And we also know that we need glucose and glycogen to, to run. We know that it's, it's a primary um, source as well. And so if you are getting to a point where mentally you're quite driven or like mentally things are just rattling off one after another, you're actually physically using energy. Your brain is using energy. And if we use this moving house as an example, my girlfriend and I, we had to move most of the boxes, pack the boxes, unpack the boxes, do it all ourselves in these um, lockdown times. And she was more the cognitive side of things. I was the brute physical, just moving all the boxes from one, point A to point B. And she has a sore shoulder, so I was just doing all the lifting. But I was happy with that. I was happy to do the, the, uh, the physical side of things, but she was in charge of what goes in what box, where it goes in this box, what room it's going to go into, how we unpack it, where it all goes in the new house. And it's just constantly thinking, thinking, thinking. And so we're both mentally, well, we're both drained at the end of the day, but I was more physically drained. She was more mentally drained and I'd 
much rather be in that physical drain because I recognize that and like my brain isn't so wired up by the end of the day. Um, and so we need to apply the two when it comes to performance, no matter what, we need to recognize the two as being real, um, real attributes when it comes to performance and when it comes to, yeah, mindset. And just like training, it's about finding the balance, isn't it? Finding the, the sweet spot, I think, because obviously you do need to be engaged in the mind to a degree because you need to take some ownership and you have an awareness of what's happening on race day. Have you woken up and perhaps not feeling as great as you were hoping or maybe you feel better than you thought? Is the weather optimum or have you got to reassess the goals ever so slightly based on the fact that you know there's a there's a, he- a real strong headwind or it's, it's warmer than you would like, whatever it might be. So I think there is fi- it is about finding that balance and that, that sweet spot as well and it isn't always so easy and and i think some people are perhaps better at it than others quietening that that mind and understanding yourself but what do you think about controlling the controllables brody like on the on the day of a race i guess this is more kind of practical stuff in a way but it has a direct impact on how we feel mentally rather than just sort of waking up and leaving everything to to the last minute surely surely we can quieten down that that internal noise and that internal dialogue if we just get a little bit more organized and control the things that we can control and also recognizing that there are things that are outside of your control as well because a lot of people can get really frustrated and maybe anxious about the weather maybe it's too warm maybe you haven't trained in such heat or maybe it's raining but they can get really upset at themselves or upset at the day, but hey, you, you can't control it. What's the point of getting upset at, at factors that you can't control? Same goes with the controllables. Recognize the difference between the two. And if there are a ton of controllables, let's control them. We can control, um, say, your preparations beforehand. We can control what you eat. We can control your warm ups. We can control like all those sort of things. And so you hit the start line with a lot more clarity, a lot more calm, a lot more zen and a bit more for you to be in the zone saying, I've controlled the controllables. I understand and respect that there are some things that are out of my control, but those uncontrollables are just part of being a runner. Maybe this race day doesn't all line up. All the ducks probably won't line up in the road the way I was meant to, the way I planned it to be. It's maybe not going to be this perfect day, but let's deal with the circumstances, the uncontrollable circumstances are put in front of us. It's just about problem solving rather than worrying about the day or being frustrated about the day not going according to plan if those uncontrollables are hindering your performance. It's just about problem solving. It's just maybe adapting your strategy or maybe it's just like coming up with different different tools or different tips in order to negotiate certain things. Because when it comes to weather as well, it's not just you that's racing in that, in that heat. Everyone else is doing it as well. And so consider that. Consider that it's just a factor. And then, again, that mental clarity, that unwinding, you're not over, like putting yourself into a mode of frustration just uses a lot more energy. You're not going to get into that nice free-flowing state, zen kind of mode if you're constantly frustrate, frustrated about factors that are outside of your control. So it's just recognizing the two things and preparing yourselves for those two things as well. After this call, I'm going to send you one of my runners' numbers, Simon. He, uh, he's training for the Manchester Marathon. He's been checking the weather report for about, about eight months. Uh, that's his thing, really, <laughs> just the weather. What's the weather doing on race day? It's the longest forecast I've ever seen in my life. Anybody, anybody would think he's chasing, like, tornadoes across America, you know? He's just, like, on proper weather watch all the time. But it's like you say, there's certain things we just can't control. And and as you say, accept, understand that those things happen and just accept them as things and then kind of park it. And I think especially in these times with the likes of COVID, Brody, because what we once expected of race day perhaps isn't the case anymore. You know, it's, it's perhaps changed a little bit. People setting off in different waves and, and things like that. So I do think that has a... It's definitely worth bearing in mind and not be too kind of, I suppose, meticulous on things will go this way. Because, yes, they might. They might. But there might be one or two things that throw you a few curveballs. And you don't want that to to knock you and unsettle you mentally. I think that's really important. So in the race itself, Brody, you know when the going gets tough, we've said that's clearly going to happen if you're pushing yourself. Sometimes it's easy to fall into a... 
Well, class it as a negative mindset in terms of, you know, this is difficult and, and, you know, which in itself is not a negative mindset as such, but obviously that could spiral. That could spiral out of control and it could cause you to slow down the wheels to come off, you know, too many feelings of anxiety and, and, and all that sort of stuff. What would you say to somebody that, to prepare them for that and perhaps deal with it when it, when it does happen? I would say they need to be in that same mindset throughout their training as well. Like they need to do some sort of long runs or some sort of really tough sessions where they encounter those same emotions, they encounter those same feelings within the body, those same fatigue levels. So you can develop strategies that actually work for you. And one of the tools that comes in really well is the the skill of like imagery or the skill of just mentally rehearsing certain things. Um, so when it comes to your training and it comes to a very long run that's going to be quite tough when it gets to that end of that long run and it's feeling really heavy your legs are feeling really sore it's visualizing you on race day it's visualizing the sounds it's visualizing the the aid stations it's visualizing the the signs and the the noise the crowd all the all the all the signs all the clapping all the cheering and just trying to put yourself in that mental space and getting through that scenario getting through that situation successfully in that long run and so when it comes to those tough times during the race you've mentally rehearsed it and your brain kind of know it's been there before and so that's a real skill in order to try and mentally rehearse that or trying to have such a vivid imagery because we know the more senses that you can try and use with this imagery the more successful it's going to be and so it just makes sense. People have done several marathons before. They can kind of have that experience and they can put themselves there really easily. But it is a skill to mentally rehearse things. And when it comes to those tough times on race day, the body's been there before because you've rehearsed it during those long runs, during those really hard sessions in your training. And that just becomes a little bit easier because your body recognizes that it's achievable. Like you can negotiate this hurdle because you've done it in the past because you've done it maybe multiple times in the past and it gives you belief because belief is really key when it comes to mental race day mindset. If you don't have a lot of belief or there's a seed of doubt there, it can really, like you say, escalate. It can really just like grow into a huge doubt and it, you know, all of a sudden you crash, all of a sudden you start walking, all of a sudden it's just way too hard and you can't, it's hard to see yourself accomplishing it. But on those long runs, if you visualize, if you've mentally rehearsed, if you've been there before and you've successfully negotiated it, it just becomes that little bit easier. That self-belief is there. It's nice and strong on race day. There's no longer those seeds of doubt. And yeah, you've just mentally set yourself up and you've mentally prepared for those tough times. I'm really pleased that you mentioned belief there because that is just so important, isn't it? To have that belief in yourself and your goal. And I really believe, talking of belief, Brody, but that, you know, it's not arbitrary. You don't just pluck belief out of the air. You've got to give it legs. You've got to make it stand up. You, you, what's it based on? So why do you believe in yourself? And this is something you ask yourself before the race not necessarily during you don't have that conversation but if you we use that classic sub four hours again for the marathon we use so often in this chat if you want to achieve sub four hours is that realistic hopefully it is if you've set accurate goals which is what we're talking about Brody. and if it is what's it based off why do you believe that it's got give it some reason man because then in the race when things are becoming difficult which will naturally happen you can go back to that belief and you can support it. You can give it evidence. You know why you believe that you can break four hours or whatever your target may be. I think that's just so key, isn't it? To have that belief in yourself. For a strategy like when you're training, it all comes back to your training as well. If you have scheduled a 10K run and it gets really tough around K8 or K9, if you talk yourself out of like finishing short by 500 meters or like just walking for the the final kilometer and you've talked yourself out of it mentally that doubt starts to be like starts to be created starts to foster something um i just talked to rob steger he's like the the host of the training for ultra podcast and i was chatting to him about mindset and how he gets mentally through a lot of races and he does ridiculous like ridiculous lengths when it comes to ultras and he said i never have 
a seed of doubt in my mind that I'm going to finish. If something is an obstacle, if something really hurts or if something really like goes awry, something like these unexpected things that happen, it's never a, oh, this is my race day over. Maybe I'll finish. Oh, maybe I'll like cut it short. It's There's never a doubt in his mind that he's going to finish. It's all about problem solving. This is the next problem. How am I going to negotiate that? And if you build that into your training and you have this, okay, I'm going to finish this long run. I'm going to do this distance and I'm not going to talk myself out of it. As soon as you just commit to it and when things get tough, you stay committed to it. That builds that resiliency, that builds that belief so that when it comes to marathon stages if you've gone like six months of just staying committed and staying dedicated not pulled up short or not convinced yourself otherwise then you have that belief that belief is really solidified into your into your being into your performance and so I do think that seeds of doubt do grow very quickly especially when it comes to testing yourself throughout a marathon if you have this one percent of doubt that you might not make it to the end that can quickly grow and you can quickly devastate your your actual performance i mean that's a real pragmatic approach that is isn't it okay here's another problem within the race that i've been handed to be able to solve uh, to be able to solve rather that's this is now a problem for me and I'm going to deal with it because that's what I do I'm a problem solver and, and things come my way and I make sure I overcome these obstacles that's just such a, a strong mindset and and it takes training to get into that space and as you're saying here test yourself in training and for anybody listening to this episode thinking oh crap I should have you know we should have had this chat sooner because I've got a race coming up and I didn't practice in training these difficult moments of course you did we all have difficult moments in training what you have to do now is cast your mind back use this sometimes uncomfortable time the tapering time when you're leading up to a major race where you're not training as much you probably feel a bit irritable a bit anxious a bit oh i'm not really training much use that time to reflect back over what you've done not only will that help you to refine your goal if it needs refining but also you'll see and remember the challenges that you did experience within training not only in the in the the sessions themselves but actually to be able to do the sessions those mental barriers just to get out the door and put one foot in front of the other we've all experienced those and now is definitely a key time you know i i um i have to say i am going to remember one particular session when the going gets tough in the manchester marathon brody less than three weeks i'm going to share this with you now the one session i'm going to remember is the bloody 22 miles that i ran on the treadmill at the weekend. Oh, wow. What yeah. the heck was I thinking? <laughs> the only belief higher I have from that session is I believe I'm an idiot for doing it. That was just <laughs> nuts. It was nuts. It was nuts. But we've all had these moments and I think it's important to recall. Brody, it's been absolutely awesome chatting to you about race day mindset. If people want to connect with you and catch up with you, they can, of course, listen to the Run Smarter podcast series. And uh, you're on Instagram as well? I'm quite active on Instagram as well. Yes, at Run Smarter series is my handle. Easy, easy, easy. I, you know, I'd actually like to chat to you for a bit longer, but... It's that picture in the background. I mean, I love your new house, but it's just a little bit askew. It's not quite level. It's doing my head in. It's the OCD coming out. You just, please, please, next time we speak and have you on the show, just sort that picture out. I love it. You just got to sort it out. Listen, Brody, we cannot possibly let you go without asking you one final question. Are you ready, my friend? Uh, before I do, let me defend myself with this artwork. It's not actually hanging on a wall. It's just laying on the ground, ready to be hung up on a wall. <laughs> the issue now, obviously, is is even though it's on the floor, it's not straight, which, which means, uh, Brody, your floors are a bit squint. So you've got a real problem there. <laughs> you be careful on that swivel chair. You'll be disappearing off camera shortly. You just be careful. All right, I'm ready right, for this final question. Back to the question. This is yeah. a very serious. It's a very serious question. It's a very serious show, Brody. Okay, are you ready for the question? Hit me. This is your weekly dose of running motivation. What does the word motivation mean to you? I think motivation is whatever's going to increase your internal drive. That's what's that's what it, it means to me. So really finding what really drives you, what gets you out of bed, what really fires you up, just increase that motivation. Sometimes it just takes a bit of a deep dive. Some people don't really know what motivates them until they actually start delving deep and asking them some deep questions. So... Anything that's going to really increase that internal drive, that 
I guess that would be my answer. Brody, I love it. You're a top guy. Can't wait to catch up soon. Don't forget, just drop me a message if you need any IKEA Allen keys. Mate, I've got a whole bag of them behind <laughs> me. Give me a shout. Give me a shout. Thank you. Good to know. Great to chat to you, Brody. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for having me on. Because Brody loves our show so much, he's letting you, our listeners, have a copy of his fantastic ebook for free How to Strive for an Injury Free PB. To get your hands on a copy, all you need to do is head over to the show notes page, which is runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. Running with Jake, the podcast. Brody Sharp, what a top guy. He has actually fired me up ahead of the Manchester Marathon. That's got me in a good mood. I'm I'm thinking now about race day strategy and mindset. Is that fired you up, Pete, for your upcoming race? Um, I don't have an upcoming race, Jake, but I'm very much fired up, yes. And no, to be fair, Brody's great. He's so motivational and he just knows his stuff, doesn't he? He just knows his stuff and it's great to have him on the show as well. Always is. He knows his stuff like you know your ale. If only Shipyard did a marathon. <laughs> that would be great. I'd be well up for that. Right, something that is your forte, bit of begging, off you go. It's not begging, I've told you before. It's not begging. This is just offering people the chance to support us. Because, you know, this whole thing, it takes loads of time. We spend hours every week sweating away in podcast studios. Um, sometimes they're not podcast studios. Sometimes they're, they're rooms with very high ceilings. And Jake, right right now is sweating away once again under a duvet for you um if you want to repay and if you do you know you enjoy the show and over the over the years now over the years and over the 90 odd episodes um if you if you have taken something away and you've used it and you enjoy it and you keep coming back then do us a favor look just support us support us and help uh, help pay for the the mammoth that is this show um you can do that i mean it's not a mammoth it's just a it's just to show, uh, but it does cost us. If you do want to support, and if you do want to show your allegiance to us, uh, that's really nice. We'll treat you real good, okay? That sounds, we'll treat you real good. Um, that's, <laughs> we're not, we're not going to treat you real good. We'll be nice to you, okay? Uh, you, you can do that. Just go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. Moving on from podcast perspiration, it's now time to take one of your questions. It is hashtag AskJake. Today's question comes from Jazz, who's been running quite a while now, but he's never really committed to strength training. He wants to begin to include it in his training, in his weekly schedule, and he wants to know when is the best time to put it uh, in the schedule. Jazz, you've got to really find your own way a little bit with this, because people suffer soreness, DOMS, delayed onset of muscle soreness, after weights, they, they they experience that in different ways and to different degrees. So what you want to do is make sure that the strength work you do complements your running. You don't want it to hinder your running. So you've got really heavy sore legs and you're not able to commit to a hill session or an important long run, for example. So you've got to experiment carefully. I would suggest typically that you don't schedule a strength training session before an important running session. Certainly in the early stages of this, when you are finding what works for you, you know, play it safe, make sure you prioritise those important runs like the long run or the hill work or the tempo running or the, the, the interval session and put the strength work in and around that. I would maybe start off with just one session a week and maybe keep it pretty short and then you can increase to two sessions a week if that's what's in your mind and maybe you can increase the uh, duration of those sessions, the length of those sessions, and obviously the intensity as well, meaning you can lift heavier weights if that's what your thing is and that's what your focus is. So I think there's a few things to think about there. Stop cautiously. That's the main thing. Find what works for you, and then you can start to turn up the heat gradually. I hope that helps. Good to hear that you want to get into your strength work and build a strong running body. If you've got a question, it's hashtag AskJake or drop us an email at podcast at runningwithjake.com. That brings us to the end of another episode of Running With Jake, the podcast. Don't forget, full-length episodes are released every Wednesday. Make sure you subscribe using your mobile app so that you never miss an episode. And we also release quick hits, which are short, coffee-time, bite-sized bits of podcasts to keep you going, full of tips, tricks, and all things running motivation. Have a great week of running. If you are in taper mode like myself, make sure you stay smart and don't risk doing too much panic training in these final stages. Make sure you stay smart and get to that starting line in one piece. That's it. We're out of here. Goodbye. Oh, and one more thing. You don't need to improve 100% in a single day if you try to improve 1% every day.